0: Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. We've had a bunch of warranty stories in the news lately, and several people sent me this. Phil and Ben, thank you very much. Brian Silvestro wrote this for Rodentrack.com. Toyota denied a warranty repair on a GR86 engine because it found a photo of the car drifting, drifting. And so he points out that you might want to be careful about posting stuff to social media if you're doing stuff in your car, Because the car company's lawyers will dig through your social media to see if there's anything they can use against you with your claim. So if you've seen any marketing material for the new GR86, you'll know that Toyota promotes it as a car you can take to the track. Which, by the way, you have to understand, if you read all the materials on most cars, you will see fine print that suggests cars can't even be driven on the road. (laughs) There'll be a... Commercial on TV of a Jeep running through a stream, driving down a trail and says, you know, professional driver, closed course, do not attempt, do not take your Jeep off-road, do not get your tires. But I understand some of the advertising does actually come out and say, yes, you can take this car to the track, just don't abuse it. But even then, you got to be real careful with the fine print. The company even gives each new 86 buyer a free NASA membership and one free Track day voucher with the purchase. I guess a NASA membership is going to take it into space. Uh, You'd think of this uh, mechanical failure happening as a result of performance driving that Toyota would cover it under warranty because they talk about you taking the car to the track. So if it fails while you're at the track, that shouldn't be a problem. Well, that wasn't the case for one owner, and his claims are lighten up the internet, as they say. The man published a detailed post on Facebook documenting the saga of his GR86, which suffered a spun bearing at just 13,000 miles, so just actually below, just below 14, 13,770. A spun bearing, according to the post, the engine was starved of oil because of excess sealant that worked its way into the oil pan and eventually blocked the oil pickup. This is according to the man, and he said it's a common documented occurrence in these engines. And if you poke around on the internet forums and videos, this does appear to be something other people have mentioned. So he said that he had his engine fail. And he thought, okay, it might be this failure that other people have talked about. A field technician specialist was assigned to his case. But rather than inspecting in person as is typically done, they did not inspect the motor, he says. Instead, either he or someone at the dealer looked him up on social media. They showed me a photo of me drifting, taken at a local test and tune event, which was in late March. And uh, they also showed me an onboard video of me driving in someone else's GR86, which of course would be irrelevant in this case. But he says that the event was an untimed, non-competition event. He's just out there drifting. And also testing different setups and playing around with tire pressures in his car, and he says that was the only time the car was driven in the way the photo shows. And like I said, the video of him driving someone else's car, again, irrelevant. So along with that evidence, and the field technician specialist made the remark that the issue is common when drifting. Uh, and Apparently, he is a local drifter well-known in the community. So that prompted him to deny the warranty claim, and the service manager agreed with the decision. He was provided then with an estimate of $11,000 to repair the engine. Now, he attempted to fight Toyota on the decision, or at least have them foot some of the bill, but the service manager at the dealership stuck by the field technician specialist's call. It's unclear if anybody went above that level, because I know that I've had people tell me that dealerships and people at dealerships have told them things. The field technician specialist presumably represents the factory. I still would have gone one higher. Um, but the service manager stuck with the field technician specialist call, and instead of paying for a new replacement motor, he had his car towed to a nearby Subaru dealer to have a low mileage motor installed, costing him roughly seven thousand dollars out of pocket. So he saved four grand, but he got the used motor. Unsurprisingly, his story is sweeping the internet. Toyota GR86 and Subaru BRZ forums, groups, and channels across the internet have been sharing his story and wondering if their engines are next and whether the repairs will be covered by the car's warranty. The BRZ and 86 twins are sports cars, and a lot of buyers want to use them like sports cars. This could put a damper on people's fun. In response to showing Toyota, the Facebook page of the company issued the following statement to road and track. Toyota is currently looking into the case you referenced. A customer's satisfaction with our vehicles is important to Toyota. As always, we encourage customers who experience any issues with their vehicles to contact their authorized Toyota dealer or called Toyota Brand Engagement Center. So talk to the dealer, then go to the factory or the manufacturer. Of course, in cases where a dealer is not about to resolve the matter, customers are encouraged to contact our brand engagement center. Most of these people intend to use their cars for HPDE and other similar activities. But now it's got people worried that the same scenario that happened to me will happen to them, the man said, who went through this ordeal. I'm worried about not only my issue, but everyone intends to actually use the car the way Toyota is encouraging. My goal right now is to have them address the elephant in the room, at least partially, because the entire enthusiast community and the customer base they are going after is not convinced that Toyota is with them. I have dealt with a myriad of Similar or parallel kinds of stories. And I can tell you, for instance, that there was a Corvette a couple of years ago with a bunch of letters and numbers after it. Okay, I'm not going to get into that because it's irrelevant for our purposes. But the Corvette was pushed as a limited edition, trackable Corvette. Client buys it is driving it around because it's also allegedly okay for street use. (laughs) You'd think, right? (laughs) Call him crazy. And the car overheats, starts overheating. And he takes the dealership and the dealership goes, oh, we sell a ton of Corvettes. There's a couple dealers in Michigan that are well known for being Corvette dealers. So guys in Michigan figured this out pretty quickly. And uh, they go, we have a bunch of these Corvettes we've sold and they all have been coming back with this problem. And some of the people have been upset when the dealership said, we don't know how to fix it. There's, there's nothing, like it's not the thermostat, it's not the radiator. Your car simply is overheating because of the way it's designed. And somebody came up with the novel idea of installing an oil cooler. And I don't know if the car already had one or not, but you would install this oil cooler And that would resolve the issue. But it's an expensive fix due to the way the car was situated and constructed and how much room you had under there and where you're going to put it and so on. And uh, apparently that oil cooler was the fix. That would do it. And it took a while for the manufacturer to decide that that was how they're going to do it. I believe they came out with some way to fix that. But in the meantime, there were a bunch of guys with extremely expensive Corvettes that they couldn't drive because they would overheat. And so I represented at least two, maybe three guys that had Corvettes like that. And we filed lawsuits because the warranty says, we're going to sell you the vehicle. And during this period of time, if something goes wrong with it, we'll fix it or we'll replace it. And uh, they couldn't fix it. And they kept telling them, well, just try to keep the car moving, uh, driving in cold days, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and ironically, and I know the car guys will understand this, the car was okay if you're zooming along the highway 55 miles an hour. But if you're stuck in stop-and-go traffic on a hot day and there's not a lot of cool air moving through the, uh, the engine compartment, that's where you ran into issues. I believe that was the primary issue. But, uh, and a lot of these cases were resolved where my client said, you know, I'm annoyed by this, but if an oil cooler will fix it, I'll do that but I want a bunch of money to do that and some money for my troubles. But a bigger issue is that, and this goes way back, and I can tell you that in the first years of my practice, I remember having a case with a guy who had a a, a new car, so qualified under the Lemon Law, and he had another car that he raced at a local racetrack. And he put one of the stickers for that racetrack on his daily driver. That was the car I represented him on. And they inspected his car and they denied his warranty claim because they said he raced it. And he said, huh? What do you mean by that? And they go, you got that sticker on the car. It's from a racetrack. It means you race it. <laughs> really? Okay. They had, they had no evidence it had ever been to the track. They had no photographs of him at the track. He had never raced it. And when we filed the lawsuit, they took his deposition and I instructed him to bring with him to the deposition, the photographs of his race car, the one that he actually did bring to racetrack. And they asked him all the questions about whether he'd ever tracked that car. And he said, no, I never have, never have. And they poked around and they couldn't find any evidence that he had, but they just assumed he had. And so when I got to cross examine him at the depth and put more information in, I said, by the way, what? is your connection with this racetrack because I have another car I raced there what's that car you haven't that car boom 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 there they are all kinds of pictures of him racing this other car and it's very very obvious it's a very very different car than the one he's driving around daily and the interesting thing about that is that I'm 99% certain if he hadn't hired an attorney he would have gotten nothing he would have gotten nothing and so that mentality goes way back that goes way back where if you had any sort of inkling that you might have done something with your car, they would just deny your claim and say, well, you know, you're abusing the car. And if you read the owner's manual to the car, I assure you it says the car cannot be abused, misused, and quite often i will say raced, <laughs> or, or, or used in exhibitions of speed, and things of that nature. And so that stuff's in the warranty booklets, and it's in the, you know, in the manual you get. Now, it's true that if there's advertising that says this car is trackable, you can take it to the track. Well, you can use that as the excuse as to why you did it. But they're still going to say you can't abuse the car, misuse the car, or do anything like that that is abusive to the car while racing it. Okay, So, you know, if you had a car that can do 100 miles an hour all day long without redlining, just doing that might not void the warranty. But they're going to say, oh, but we think you're doing 150. You know, we think you were spinning that tachometer around and burying the needle. Um, and at that point, it's going to be your word against theirs. And then you're going to say, well, but they weren't there. Yeah, but this is in a civil setting. And I can tell you right now that I knew somebody. And I'm going to be very vague on this on purpose. But I knew somebody who had a car. And it was a very cool and unusual car. And he would bring the car to events and let other people have rides in it, rides in it. He would drive, and they would ride in it. And he was doing this to help people out. It was, it was a situation where people who, they would wish for something. They'd wish for a ride in a nice car. And this guy would take people for rides in the car. And uh, when that car had a, a, a massive engine failure, they said, oh, we understand that you track that car at this track. And he said, yeah. And when I track the car, I don't even break the speed limit. Like, I don't even, it, it, there are no speed limits on the track. But I'm saying he doesn't drive it faster on the track than he does on the street. Car was street legal. He goes, I'm giving primarily little kids rides. And I'm driving them around a the track so that they can say, I got to ride in a, you know, around a racetrack in a really cool car. And they denied his warranty claim because they said, oh, you track your car. And unfortunately, some big corporations just have this binary mentality where it's either yes or no. There is no gray area. And we won't, by the way, we won't stop and and think about it. The second we see an indication that we can throw a flag at this and say, oh, you tracked the car, boom, warranty denied. So with this situation, I can tell you that I've had too many to count cases involving engine failure. The car is sitting someplace with a blown engine. That's a term of art. And I've had somebody say, well, let's tear the engine apart and look at it. And uh, a mechanic can tear an engine apart and look at it, document the teardown, document what comes out of the engine, save what comes out of the engine, and then we can look at that and say, look, here's what happened. And so that's one of the other issues I have with the story, and I'm not blaming the guy. Because when he got the word from the field technician specialist saying, we're not going to pay this claim, sorry, go away. I don't blame him for thinking. well, i got to get my car fixed. But the question is, if he saved the engine, that would be good to know, and if they saved the engine and dismantled it to determine what actually went wrong with it, and did they document that and save all of that, and was it clear then what actually happened to this engine? Because that would go a long way towards showing that he was right and they were wrong. So that's the question. Don't know the answer to it. I apologize. But Brian Sylvester wrote this for roadtrack.com, Very fine people. Wonderful publication. I write for them from time to time. Toyota denied a warranty repair on a GR86 engine because it found a photo of the car drifting and they accused the driver of misusing the car. Brian Sylvester wrote it. Phil and Ben both said it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Always write down the important stuff. Later, you can forget where you wrote it down.